Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. You guys know by now that we do a bunch of commercials in the beginning, in the middle of these episodes. Um, there's two things here. One, patreon.com, Working Dog Radio. We put the episodes up without commercials. How about that? But here's the thing, guys. I know you people. I know what you're doing. You're skimming forward and you're fast forwarding through the commercials. But I'm telling you, you want to listen to these and you want to listen to the ones in the middle of the episode because we put new discount codes. We put new job opportunities, new training opportunities, new gear, new equipment, new sponsors, all kinds of new cool stuff in there. You don't want to skip it because you don't want to miss it. Especially especially the discount codes. So make sure you guys are paying attention. And having said that, we're going to kick it off right now with one of my favorites. Right. Uh, RayAllen.com. We've had a great relationship with Ray Allen for a long time. They want you to know that they've heard you loud and clear and they have revamped their customer service, faster response times, easier to get a hold of them, faster shipping, faster order uh, fulfillment. Um, any kind of issues they had, they ironed it out. RayAllen.com for everything dog related. Not just working dog, working dog, pet, anything you need. I just bought about 300 bucks worth of stuff the other day. Mixture of pets and police dogs in one click. I loved it. RayAllen.com. Uh, we got hits coming up. Um, it's going to be in August this year. It's going to be at the McCormick Place in Chicago. Um, it moves around. So, you know, one of the things they're really good about is it's not in the same location every year. So every four years, it's probably in a different area or it's in a different area of the country. And they make it super obvious about um, rotating all of their uh, instructors. Too. So if you come last time they were, say, in Dallas, like four years ago, when they go back to that area, you're not going to see the same people over and over again. When we were there last year, there's like 1,200 people and they're talking about having 13 to 1500 and we've got a hundred vendors in the vendor hall this year they get ready to have a price increase and I know you people and I mean you people as handlers you guys wait for the last fucking second to do everything and I know it's not your money but the hotel fills up quick then you got to walk everywhere in Chicago which is probably going to suck because it's going to be super hot so get your tickets booked it's going to be August 13th through the 16th this year at McCormick Place in Chicago go to hits k9 letter k number nine dot net Get signed up. Look at the class schedule. Plan on where you're going to go. And, uh, yeah, submit all of your forms to all of your admins so you can get it paid for. And uh, you'll see us there. We're going to be doing live recordings. And come by the booth, get a beer, and uh, have a challenge coin. we got some custom challenge coins we're making. So um, we're, which, not, uh, we're not giving them beer, though, Ted. They have to no, no, no. Yeah, beer. no, yeah. That's yeah. Get a that's beer and bring it with you. If that was If that was not obvious, I guess that's my bad. All right, so uh, one of the booths that's also going to be at Hits, probably right across from us, if uh, if it's anything like last year's, our friends at Dogtra. Um, I love Dogtra, dogtra.com. Great company. Um, you guys have heard of us. You know, they're, especially you guys, you uh, policemen, law enforcement handlers, their um, remote is so set up for you guys to have on your gear. There's tons of different uh, Molly gear you can get for Dogtra uh, remotes. The 1900S is the best collar I have used. I love True that story. thing. Their ball popper is all revamped. Um, they figured out 
Anything with a battery should be rechargeable. The ball popper is rechargeable. It's kicking ass. Dogtra.com. They have a discount code WDR10 for 10% off of any order over $200. Dogtra.com. So this next one is somebody that we, it's new to the podcast uh, or they just signed up. So I just mentioned challenge coins. Now, everybody knows that everybody loves dogs and everybody listening, whether you're search and rescue, whether you're FEMA, whether you're, uh, you know, sheriff's office, whatever, everybody in the public loves seeing dogs. And the one thing that I always see is people handing out challenge coins or handing out um, the little like playing cards with the dog's information and all that stuff on it. So one of the new sponsors for the podcast is Combat Bet, which is spelled B-E-T at the end, like you're betting. Uh, They have the little challenge coins that are shaped like poker chips. And ironically enough, they're pretty inexpensive for um, like a department to have for a canine unit. You can have them on their little, you can have the dog's picture on one side, you can have the sheriff's office shield on the other side, whatever you want to do. You can even print on the collar of it. And they do two different versions. They got the, the ceramic poker chip ones and they've also do a couple of metal ones um so depending on how much you want to spend or whatever else you can get a variety of different things and they can print pictures on so you can get the picture of the dog and the handler on there hand them out to kids when you go do your school demos and you guys look like heroes which is freaking awesome so they're doing a discount code for everybody so if you go to combat bet bet.com and you'll get a discount of 10 percent off of your total order price which isn't a whole lot to begin with so it's working dog radio spelled out head over there hit them up tell them we sent you use a discount code hand out coins to kids that's all you got to do that's it yeah i think our first sponsor that we ever got when we got on the podcast is arno at alm um i love alm the dude the dude has been so good to us so good to everybody um i'm telling you right now man you want tugs and i mean we go through tugs a lot yeah, I give them out to all the handlers when they come through. And I don't use anyone else but Arno at ALM. Uh, his tugs are the best, period. They hold up. They're great. The dogs love them. Everything's great. And I've I've done a ton of social media stuff about his hidden sleeve. His hidden sleeve is so legit. It is yeah. so good. It's the easiest, the easiest one to put on, take off. It is so... Functional, Like I use it, you know, under stuff as a hidden sleeve, but I use it as a, just as a regular sleeve sometimes. Um, it, you do feel it. It does suck. I'm not going to lie to you, <laughs> but it is a perfect sleeve for what we like to do. He has a discount code WD radio for 10% off almk9equipment.com. Hit him up. So speaking of traveling, October 30th through November 2nd of this year, our friends down at Southern Coast Canine, New Smyrna Beach, are going to be hosting the Hard Dog Fast Dog Competition. It's the Police Motorcycle and Canine Skills Challenge hosted by our friends at Southern Coast, Peggy and Bill and Danny. So uh, I'm actually going to be down there announcing the uh, Hard Dog Fast Dog Competition. Now it's limited to the first 30 canine teams uh, and the first 30 detection teams. And they're also doing a competition the fourth through the seventh which they do every year which is a huge odor uh seminar and detection seminar and competition and at the end of the three days you actually certify within ndda but there's going to be 125 teams in attendance so it should be a good time be sure to head over to southern coast canine hit them up look at it and come down and see me and i'm sure i'll be heckling whoever's going to be decoying because you you're going to get smashed i don't know what to tell you get be on your a game yeah 
They do. You guys remember our episode with Cameron Ford? Uh, Cameron Ford's worked all over the United States. Um, he's done all time, all kinds of multi-purpose canine training. Detection is his thing. It is what he does the most as what his scientific approach yep. uh, has proven like very effective. The things he does. Well, Cameron moved to Las Vegas to join the folks over at Silver State Canine. Um, they offer a ton of stuff. They have a class coming up. You got to get on this quick though, guys. Uh, July 29th to August 9th. 29th to August 9th. It's a um, going to be a handler and trainer's course. You got to get on it. And they're going to rerun it September 9th through the 20th. This is not a cakewalk, but I'm telling you, you will learn a scientific method for this. Um, it's, it's good stuff, man. Check them out. SilverStateK9.com. They um, just so say you can't go to Vegas, can't make it to Vegas. Maybe you don't have enough comp time. You got you don't have enough vacation time. They won't let you travel. You get a hold of uh, the folks at Silver State, and they will send Cameron to you. And they'll do a 40-hour detection dog seminar for you. You can get your all your unit, get all your training group. He'll come to you. SilverStateK9.com. Check them out. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Working Dog Radio. We are here for another great episode. Uh, with me always is my co-host from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Ted Summers. Ted, how's it going? Awesome. I'm actually in Tulsa right now, which um, is rare. So um, <laughs> uh, we just got home. We just got home from an HRD seminar in uh, Shelby. We got to go see uh, Howard, uh, Shelby, North Carolina. Howard and Lisa Young at uh, Shelby PD. They hosted us, and uh, it was it was awesome. Uh, good teams, good handlers. Dogs learned a lot. Handlers learned a lot. Um, yeah, we uh, ran some new scenarios that uh, we don't really talk about publicly that uh, ended up uh, doing <laughs> having a pretty good effect. Playing so, havoc. Yeah, there was some. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. No, they. Uh, so everybody listening. Um, they're going to rehost it again. So they immediately said, you know, we want you to come back. So we're going to be back, I guess, probably in the fall of 2020. So uh, it was really good. Uh, I got handler school starting here pretty soon. The biggest Malinois I've ever fucking seen is coming back through. He got his handler got promoted. He got reassigned. Uh, dogs, 120 something pounds Malinois. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to getting Jeez, hit by Yeah, hand. that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just a, it's like getting hit with a sledgehammer all day. I mean, it's just not fun. So, yeah, it's, uh, but he starts, so he'll be with me for quite a while. And then I've got a bunch of other single dual purpose guys starting. So should be interesting. What about you? Um, I have some dogs coming in, um, Pretty soon, I, I sold a dog to an agency in West Virginia. But you know, we gotta, I gotta get that dog. Oh, um, yeah. I got some dogs coming in from Europe. Um, but I'm doing a lot of pet dog stuff, preparing to be older here pretty soon. We're recording this on the 1st of August. It's six days away from my 50th birthday. Um, so uh, send send booze, please. <laughs> no, just kidding. Don't send me any gifts, oh, unless they're nudes. Just kidding. <laughs> um, Sean Hagner will send me a picture. Oh I don't God, want that. no, you. <laughs> I, I have plenty. <laughs> so um, just plugging away, man. It's uh, as soon as I'm done recording this episode, my wife and I are going out on the boat for a little night cruise. Awesome. Um, but things are going it's going good. The uh, Football Hall of Fame kicked off today. Um, they, they Every year they, they do something different, those people. But um, 
This year it was uh, the game on Thursday. So they've been doing the game the second day, third day, fourth day, first day. They keep moving it around, basically trying to figure out how to keep as many people in Canton as possible because there's nothing else going on in that shit town. Um, but the, the Hall of Fame kicked off today. And I, I ran, you know, the dog program there for a while in the last several years. I was there, you know, running running that. We have like 10 to 15 bomb dogs there for the whole week. They start at 4 in the morning. I mean, it's 20, 21 hours a day. Um, so uh, my buddy Chris has took over. He's running that. But um, I don't miss that. I stopped by and saw the guys. I do miss the guys. I miss all that camaraderie. And, and I do miss some of that work. But it was nice leaving and going to do other things. So... Yeah. So, uh, so 23 is first time in 23 years. I haven't worked it. Wow, man. Yeah. That's insane. Uh, yeah. So I guess, but you're still doing, uh, stuff now. Yeah. Oh yeah. I get, I have a bomb dog in my uh, kennel now. Who's actually for sale. The female Malinois. She's on seven different odors. Um, kills it off leash, on leash, flexi, long line, short line, uh, completely off leash. She does real good. She's social, does great with people and kids. She's a real good dog. So um, I have videos. Anybody want needs a single purpose bomb dog, hit me up. She's like two and a half, I think. So, uh, already spayed, ready to go. So by the time this airs, which uh, will be in a couple of days, uh, we will be getting ready to go to Hits, which is oh, yeah. uh, first uh, just coming up here in August. Um, so yeah, uh, we're going to be doing live episodes from there. Uh, live recording is going to put on YouTube for some people to see. We'll do some special stuff for Patreon members. Um, so yeah. That should be interesting. And then we're going to interview the fourth horseman uh, from Hits because we've interviewed uh, the other dudes uh, already. But we're going to do Andy Wyman while we're there. So um, Sweet. Andy, Andy's doing a course on some case law updates. Um, Andy's a good handler, good trainer, um, knows his shit. So it should be a pretty good interview for sure. Yeah, Hits is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, for those of you listening to this, uh, we will have a working dog radio and an HRD booth. Come by and see us. Say hi. Um, introduce yourself. Uh, make sure that you're following us and we're following you on Instagram. I, I try to follow back all the handlers. So if you're a handler and listening to this and you follow me and I did not follow you back on Instagram on Van S Canine, let me know. Send me a message so I can follow you. Um, I do like to see what the guys are doing and support all the handlers that I can. Um, unless I see that you hashtag a couple of those magazines. If I see that, <laughs> then we got to have a talk. Yeah. Working I'm not dog. supporting any sex offenders. <laughs> yeah. Working dog magazine, police canine and, uh, canine cop magazine. Yeah. If you follow those, uh, speaking of magazines, uh, the new canine courier got delivered today or shipped out. Did you see that? Uh, yeah. The USPCA one. Yeah. Yeah. So USPCA members, uh, HRD and Van S K9 and Torchlight K9 and Working Dog Radio and whatever we're affiliated with um, has an article in there uh, on the Trainer's Corner, page 56. Um, so, yeah, go read it. Uh, let me know. I got some more. You hear that? That's pipe, me so. skimming through it. <laughs> it's coming down. I got, I've got like uh, five or six more to go to send those guys. So, um, they were pretty happy with it. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, just talks about kind of the basic stuff with scenario-based training, why it is, what it is, what it's not, what it is, and uh, what it's not ever going to be. So with that, what are we doing tonight? 
So here's the thing. Tonight is um, an episode with just Ted and I, no guest. This is not a rant episode. I promise. I people are like, Jim. I mean, <laughs> like I said, I'm not bitch. I'm not going to bitch a little bit, but this is not a rant episode. We are going to talk about training today. We're going to talk about, um, we get a lot of questions about training. A lot of it's, it comes down to how do you start? How do you start? Yeah, yeah. How do you start this? How do you start that? There's a, there's a lot of things. So we're going to talk about some of that stuff tonight. We're going to talk about um, a, a, a tracking thing that I came up with. Uh, kind of by accident, and it was worked out really amazing with the working dogs I've been doing. And then we're going to talk about how our program, Ted and mine separately, um, has evolved from when we first started training. Uh, from you know the differences I I've seen when I was a handler to when I started being a trainer to I to I train now, and from when Ted got into this industry, how he is. Uh, evolved because that's a big thing we still see guys that are have been trainers since the late 90s and they're still using yank and crank tactics from the early 80s mid 80s late or early 90s that just are a waste of time yeah. so we're gonna um talk about because i used to do it so we'll get into that and um talk about uh, all that kind of stuff and hopefully uh answer some questions or start maybe um a little more dialogue how about that yeah, it'll work. Yep. So So let's start let's start off with building searches, Ted. Yeah. So back in the day, I mean if we if we back up and we talk about why police dogs are even in existence in the first place, um, as much as I would like to admit it, um it's not to bite people, it's to find people and find stuff. Um, so building searches are one of those exercises that I think get isolated in training. So if you're, you're part of an old school training group, mine used to be this way <laughs> where it's one and done and it's just some dude hiding there in a sleeve and they just run inside, they go bite the sleeve and whatever else. Right. You know, I mean, it's the same building that everybody trains at the same location every time, but equally hides in the same place. Dogs aren't really looking. Um, so uh, we had some failures with building searches way back in the day where like they couldn't find people. And I'm like, what the fuck? So, you know, these dogs are great tracking dogs. And in my mind, I was like, it's the same odor. Right. And I'm, I'm truncating this substantially. Like I, I'm going through the progression fairly quickly of how I came to whatever it is that I do. And I was like, man, when we track, these dogs are amazing tracking, but they're terrible at building searches or vice versa. I'm like, I don't get it. It's the same odor. Right. I mean, they're fine. I ask go find human odor. And I would have dogs that are really good at one, but not the other, right? So they're really good at tracking, but not good at building searches and really good at building searches, but not tracking. And in my undeveloped mind, I was like, I couldn't reconcile why that was until I figured out what the motivator was at that point. And then that's when I changed some things. So then I went through a progression, which I'm sure you're going to talk about with tracking, where we ended every bite in a track, which ended up in a fucking shit show. Um, <laughs> we do not every <laughs> Yeah. So I thought I would fix it that way and it didn't work. Um, and I caused all kinds of problems that way. So at its core, a building search is to locate somebody inside the structure. Um, this isn't really a discussion about whether it should be on lead or off lead or anything else because that's ultimately a call for the handler and it depends on the circumstances of the call you know what the conditions are you know if you suspect anybody to be inside blah 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 at its core the dog is supposed to find human odor and give to somebody that is concealed and give the handler alert or engage if they are at they're visible 
Um, so I started out that being a singular exercise. So it was like you'd stack up on the door, you'd be like random police department canine, you'd go through your thing, um, you'd say your your announcements, your call outs, your challenges, and you would send the dog in and he'd run in and then he would find the, the decoy with a hidden with a hard sleeve and he'd run up and bite and you're like, All right, cool. And then they wouldn't do it in actual calls and I couldn't figure out why. Right. So where did you start? <laughs> Um, so when I started as a handler, um, we started all – so at the canine field, we did then and we still do have uh, those the uh, six big human boxes where you put a human in. they got a slit at the bottom. Oh, yeah, the sweat it's, lungs. Uh, yeah. Right, yeah, the spider <laughs> death traps. Yeah, they always um, have black widows in them, yeah. Right, so uh, we did that. That was um, – so back in the day, our course to graduate from – the Canton school was a USPCA PD-1 test. Uh, we didn't get the PD-1. We just did the same test. Part of that at the time was those six boxes where you hide someone in one of those and you go left to right or right to left and the dog sniffs and alerts on the box and you call the box. Uh, we still have those and I actually still use them. I do find them to be relevant. Um, I teach mostly barking equals bite. So we work on bark at the door, bark at the whatever and the Boing, the guy pops out, gives a bite. Um, so we started, that's how we started everything like that. Finding the human odor, sniffing it, alerting, and then the jack-in-the-box pops out and you get to bite it. So we actually started, if I remember right, we started building searches with closed doors first back in the day. So we did the boxes, then we went to the closed doors, uh, like in a hallway, you have to have this, you know, specifically correct building. Right. Um, and then we would start doing um, where the door would be partially, almost all the way closed, so the dog could learn to nose his way into it um, and push in and get the bite. Because it would be, you know, that human odor, probably human odor and the sleeve odor, the jute and all that other stuff. But, um, and that's how we, that's pretty much how we did it then. Um, and when I took over, I was kind of doing the same thing, but I started the reverse where I started doing um, runoffs. Uh, like we talk uh, hot, medium and cold. I still right. do that same thing. Um so that's, that's kind of still how I do it today, where the, they see the decoy while they're giving the warnings. Decoy runs into the room, like, right as they're letting the dog go. Do a few of those. Then then I do where the decoy or the handler starts giving a warning. Decoy pops out. Blah, 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 blah. Runs away in the middle of the two warnings. Send the dog. Um, and then the next would be no the, there's a warnings but no sight of the decoy um and then they have to go in there um i kind of like doing it the way i used to do it um it's just very very time consuming and the reason why i say i'd like to do it is because i think it teaches the the finding of human odor better if that makes sense. Yes. Um, it's just, we used to have a 14-week school. So you could take green dogs and work them like uh, two, three days a week for 14 weeks. You could really build up some amazing things. But now we have four or five weeks to pre-train a dog and a few weeks, four or five weeks to train the handler with the dog. Right. So it's, um, you know, it's definitely a sped up process now. 
Yeah, and that's where I have, um, and speaking of speeding up processes, that's where I have um, sort of gotten to as well. We got into the hot, warm, and cold idea of, you know, cold being a finished patrol dog. He has no idea that there's anyone in the structure. And yeah, we do use blanks. Um, and this is where, you know, you start doing drive conversion and everything else after the fact. But, <clears throat> you know, we start with a hot search where there's no doubt in the dog's mind that there is somebody out there, whether it's a track, whether it's an area search or whether it's a building search or the way that I reconciled it in my mind was I went back to detection work when I'm imprinting odor and I'm teaching the dog the game, right? Like I'm teaching him how the box works or I'm teaching him how the duck's box works or the popper. The reward system, if I'm doing a direct reward, um, is no different than teaching the dog that they see the, they see that somebody run into the structure and then I'm yelling the challenge, you know, come out, you know, let me know where you're at. The dog's going to bite you, blah, 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 the whole thing. And then we do one of those announcements and then we send the dog in and he does a tiny, tiny search like around a corner and he finds a decoy with a hard sleeve and that's it. So I'm conditioning that response that, you know, I'm giving this announcement. And when I say that, that means I want you to go find somebody or that there should be somebody in there. Then we transition to a warm search. And then during the warm search is where I actually have started using um, lasers. And that's where a bulk of the, just like in detection work. So once the imprinting phase is done, once the cold portion of it is done, or I'm sorry, the hot portion of it is done, that's where we actually teach the dog to hunt and warm. That's where I teach him to f- search cars. That's where I teach him to search buses. That's where I teach him to search lockers, whatever it is that they're supposed to be searching. And the bulk of the work is done in that area or in that, I don't want to say that drive, but in that phase. And um, this is where I start adding in all of my other components. So I add obedience. I add neutrality to backing officers. I add lasers. I add redirection. I had all kinds of other stuff, um, and their decoy plays an integral part. In fact, we wrote a we wrote a big article for our Patreon members is on there that describes the that in detail about how we confirm proximity alerts inside and how we confirm proximity alerts outside during area searches and how we do all that stuff during tracking and how we marry it all together at once at Torchlight or how I do it at Torchlight with Scott. And so when we're tracking. And when we're doing a building search and when we're doing an area search, we get the same alert or change in behavior, I guess is a technical term that I should use, um, to alert the handler that the dog is close to human odor or close to the source of human odor. And this is how I start to condition the whole show me your hands command and all that kind of stuff and what role the decoy plays. So I use the building search to imprint and teach all of those behaviors at once during the warm phase um, versus moving on to the cold phase, which is the finished patrol dog, which is the dog. By the time the handlers come to me for handler school, the dog is pretty pretty much like I can just yell once into the building and I'm like, you know, I tell them to go inside and they'll go find somebody. So, but that's where I work on all of those skills. And then when I transition those skills during handler schools to vehicles like vehicle extractions, with lasers, uh, vehicle extractions with long lines, vehicle extractions without long lines, vehicle extractions with obedience and manual outs and all kinds of other stuff. It's all built during a building search. Uh, and this is the time too, when I do the one and the one is not done thing too. So people commit crimes together 
and getting the dog to convert drives and go back into hunt after he has just bitten somebody is a huge skill set that is undervalued and the oh, dog yeah. has to be able to do so it, it's that's core sort of towards the end towards the hot phase where you know okay you've done buddy you got to go back to work and go find somebody else so that's when i do all that stuff what about you well, and well, here's the other thing that's really important that people don't even think about. See, we as we as trainers and handlers can get pretty lax where we just stand in the doorway because we believe that the building search scenario is really just for the dog. So we send the dog down, then we just run down the hall after the uh, dog. Yeah. Good boy, good boy. We right. only put the the decoy at the end of the hallway instead of in the first room or second room or whatever. But the other big thing with building searches, and this is where they become very, very, very valuable and important, is that's where you're going to see most, almost all of your environmental problems. No, that's, well, that's when you're going to get to put your dog through the most environmental issues. Slick floors, dark rooms, steps, open steps, light to dark, uh, dark to light. Um, every possible thing that, that you could really think of to mess with your dog is going to be found in a building search. Um, I still say, and I've, I haven't been proved wrong, is that the way a dog enters into the room and comes into the bite on a building search and an area search is my gauge of whether a dog is going to bite for real on the street. I've said it numerous times. All my guys know that. If your dog comes in apprehensively to the bite, maybe, maybe into the room he creeps into the room a little bit, but when he sees the decoy... He should be crushing that dude, like yeah. slamming him into the wall. If your dog comes in slowly, sniffs the suit, then bites it, or even a sleeve, sniffs it, bites it, comes up very slowly and bites it. Um, and I don't even, and I'm not even talking in the dark. In the dark, I've had hard-ass dogs come in, come in, bump into me, and then pow, fucking hit that right. uh, leg or something like that. But if your dog comes in and they're slow to engage on there or they won't do it until you really move, you're probably looking at a dog that's going to have some engagement failures. And I say this because I worked one of those dogs for three years. Yeah. And if I think back to it, she was soft on building search. She would go in and kind of bite it. But people are like, yeah, she, was, she didn't really... She didn't really hit it, you know. The dog should be hitting the decoy in the room the same way he's hitting the decoy out on that field. And, and if he's uh, not, you know, right. Uh, one of our interviews, uh, Mike Deal said that, you know, he was like, especially with Malinois, he can judge how successful they're going to be based on how intense they are. And I don't, I don't remember exactly how he said it. But he said, you know, I will never select another dog that does not just on an open field send does not absolutely crush a, <laughs> like a decoy. Yep. And he's right because you get a little gathering and, and it's hesitation and there's a couple of other things. But that's a selection issue. And you're right. Like that's an environmental testing, too. And, and that's one reason building searches are so valuable because you're testing. And this goes back to what we talk about in all of our HRD seminars is that we have these core group of skills for the dog and for the handler we work on all the time and within a building search every one of those little micro skills is tested and is evaluated every time you do one of those whether it's hunting whether it's biting somebody that's passive whether it's a fend off whatever it is i can manipulate any building search to test any number of 
factors for a dog, whether it be an out and I mean, anything like, and I use a building search as a broad, um, I guess, teaching venue for both handlers and for dogs because it's a contained space one and two because I can isolate and I can manipulate things to highlight or identify weaknesses in dogs um, and handlers and I mean you know one of the scenarios that we're sort of known for doing at our HRD things I mean that's exactly what it is it's a building search that requires decision making so um, at its core, oh, yeah. I use those scenarios or those those building searches, those early ones, especially in the warm phase um, when I'm teaching our dog to hunt to solidify a ton of behaviors and, like you said, to sort of like suss out some like environmental stuff. And then we'll do stuff like I'll have the air compressors on so it's super fucking loud because dogs hunt with their eyes, their ears, and their nose in that order. So sight, sound, and smell. Uh, smell being the hardest, sight being the easiest. So if you go back to a cold search a dog runs into a room and they're looking for a decoy and same thing we do with a tennis ball when in every trainer listening to this is in in europe and in the united states is going to say the same thing when they say how do you test a dog for hunt you throw a tennis ball you tease him up and you throw it into tall fucking grass and he goes to the last place he saw it right I mean that's and he oh, starts yeah. putting his nose to the ground. Same principle applies with detection train or with human location in terms of building searches, and then that transfers over for human odor anyway. Once you build context to tracking or a can, so at that point the dog is learning to search highly productive areas, just like they do when they search. Uh, vehicles for drugs and if you don't believe me go to a training group with experienced dogs how many of those motherfuckers will search a door handle every single time every single dog will search a door handle and if you listen to Cameron Ford they're smelling for other dogs but they're also smelling for transfer odor and then those same dogs in a building search if they're dual purpose how many of them search will sniff door handles and will sniff door seams every single one they've been successful in the past in those areas and it's all about building context and that's when I use the building search to build the context around finding that so I'm using the dog's hunt drive and I'm using the dog's prey to develop that highly productive area and that catalog of where they've been successful in the past and uh, that's how I also fix passive problems so but right. that's where we work on it also. And then there's the whole context of the call out and the show me your hands thing, which is my bite command, but still, but yeah. On our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com working dog radio, Ted did a whole big, huge video and write up on, on the progression of building searches. So if you're a member, go read it. If not, go join up and check it out. Um, we're going to go ahead and take a break here yeah. yep. and, uh, get our, get our, lovely sponsors that we love so much in here we come back we're going to talk about uh, a tracking a beginning tracking thing that I developed and, and kind of how we developed our our training systems going forward hey guys we got a great new sponsor man we're super excited about this I have a box full of challenge coins. I love them. Everywhere we go, I'm always asking people, do you have challenge coins, challenge coin? Um, but I don't have one. Working Dog Radio doesn't have one. Torchlight doesn't have one. HRD doesn't have one. So we are going to get those. We're going to get them made. And we're looking around trying to figure out who we're going to use, who we're going to get to make these challenge coins. We partnered up with the good people at Combat Bet. That's 
C-O-M-B-A-T-B-E-T. And they've got several different cool styles to choose from. They got other things too. They got some cards. They got a lot of different cool stuff. They're giving a uh, discount code for us, Working Dog Radio. Um, I can't wait. Um, we're going to get uh, these challenge coins. And I'm telling you, if I give you one, you better have it. If I see you, I'm going to blast that thing out on the bar and you have to buy me a drink. CombatBet.com. Check them out. They have several different styles of coins. Um, we're really super proud to have them on here, man. CombatBet.com. Yeah, it's no secret that uh, Eric and I use a lot of equipment at either up in Ohio at Venice or here at Torchlight. Uh, we've been using Dog Triff for years. Both of us have. Um, even before we even started the podcast, you know, one of my favorite products is the 1900S hands-free. I use it all the time, and I've uh, even got a different collar on it so I can put it on dogs super fast. Uh, there's no messing around with it or whatever else, and I just keep the remote in my pocket, and I have the finger kick on my, on my finger or on my wrist, and uh, makes it super easy, but... Doctor's got several products, and not just for police dogs. You know, I was doing for hunting dogs. They've got a long history uh, with the hunting dog community. But uh, great products, several things for everybody, from pets all the way up to working dogs. And they also have the awesome ball watcher and popper that I use at the kennel. Uh, I think I've got four of those things now. And um, we've got them in a box, and I've got them hidden in cars, all kinds of stuff. But for uh, listeners, anytime you use the discount code WDR10, you get 10% off a single item over 200 bucks and that's at dogtra.com go hit them up dogtra.com hey guys coming up it's coming up august august 13th through the 16th the hits conference hits is the best conference going it's the biggest it's uh there's only a couple conferences that we back and we sponsor over here at working dog radio based on who runs it the type of material the type of training the instructors everything they get nothing shady happening hits um I can't say enough about the guys. You've heard them on the podcast, man. They're all legit. They're handlers. Um, they're out there working every day with that dogs, with those dogs, and they're putting on this big, huge conference. They got a uh, price increase coming up, man, so don't mess around. This year it's in Chicago at McCormick Place. Like It's the size of Canton, Ohio, pretty much, the entire <laughs> venue that they're going to be at. Um, check them out, hitsk9.net. Don't wait. Yeah, you know, one of the other uh, sponsors that we have that's also uh, nothing shady going on that we're super happy to have on the podcast <laughs> is Ray Allen. Uh, I think Ray Allen made equipment for um, dogs that are on the Ark. They've been around for so long. Uh, their product designer, uh, you know, Matt, is one of our good buddies. Uh, we love that dude to death. Uh, they do a good job there. They've got that new treat pouch that Eric really likes. Uh, keep your fucking hoodies from smelling like hot dogs or, or pill jack. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just ordered a bunch of rubber arms and we ordered and leg for Eric uh, that uh, is good for proofing patrol dogs and they've got everything not just for police dogs they got stuff for working dogs and they got stuff for uh, for other working dogs like search and rescue or hunting and then also just for pets also they've got leashes and everything for and harnesses just regular collars everything you need if you're going to go over there make sure you use the discount code also working dog radio spelled out uh, the beginning of each letter needs to be or word needs to be capitalized You'll get uh, 10% off your first order. And yeah, they have just about everything you need except for the dog and the patrol car. So hit them up and not owned by a uh, somebody that has pled guilty to uh, sex offender crimes. So there's that. 
you guys have heard me talk and Ted talk about our relationship with Highland Canine. Um, we've done it on social media. We, you've heard it here in the commercials and things. And we do that because we believe in the Pergasons and we believe what they got going on there. Um, they have a school for dog trainers. They got a police dog training school. Um, and, and they started to realize what they were doing was everything was um, basic training for them. And they do have a lot of basic training classes. They take you, uh, they teach you, say you're a handler, they're training you, and then boom, out you go on the road. But what we see in this business is most guys don't follow up with any kind of advanced courses. So Highland Canine, they're like, you know what, we're going to take care of that. They have started a um, advanced detection, or excuse me, an advanced um canine courses, like a whole curriculum they're rolling out. Back in April, they started with an advanced detection course. Um, they're going to go into advanced skills for every aspect of police canine training. Uh, be sure to check it out. Look for upcoming classes, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. That's the letter K, the number nine, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. Harmony, North Carolina. Check them out. So everybody knows that we uh, love the guys at Southern Coast, Bill and Peggy Heiser, and of course, Danny. But they've also got a second company called Coast to Coast Canine, which handles uh, detection services, and they are looking for two full-time and one part-time explosive handler. So be sure to hit them up and email Peggy Heiser. So you're going to do P Heiser H E I S E R at C the letter two C the letter K the number nine dot com. That's C to C Canine dot com. Shoot her your resume and apply for the jobs for a full-time explosive handler. There's two of those. And then uh, a single part-time handler, uh, explosive handler at c2ckanine.com. Peggy Heiser at c2ckanine.com. Go hit them up. So I got a uh, bomb dog in my uh, kennel right now, um, imprinting her on the seven odors that we use over here in Ohio. None of those odors are the HMEs like TATP, um, urea nitrate, and some of the other ones. We... Um, are afraid of that shit and I'm not touching it. I'm not messing with it, but I do want my dogs to, to find it. So looking around, you know, my guys go through some training with the FBI like once a year. It's pretty hard to stay proficient on that stuff and I'm not messing with that stuff for real. So what do we do? True scent. True scent is a, um, it's not a pseudo odor, it's a simulant. It is real odor suspended in silica. Now listen, they have everything. They have all the explosive odors you want, um, but I specifically look for the, the HME kits. They got several of them. Um, check them out. Uh, it's it's real explosive odor. Um, it's good stuff, man. We really like them. You heard Ellie, their chemist, on our um, podcast. We made a whole T-shirt based on that podcast. Uh, it's good type of stuff. TrueScentK9.com. Um, when you get there and plug it in, they do give us a discount code, which is WDR, all capitalized, WDR15. That's a WDR15 for 15% off training aids. Get on it. Yep. So working dogs, whether they be police dogs or hunting dogs or search and rescue, whatever, have a fantastic talent of managing to hurt themselves in magnificent and magical ways. Um, if I could count the ways that my fucking dogs have managed to hurt themselves, it would fill up an entire podcast episode. 
not everything is going to require a vet visit. I'm not suggesting that you don't take the dog to the vet, but stuff that's normal, like hot spots, pad injuries, happy tail, stuff that's just kind of annoying, uh, can turn into serious issues. The guys at Vet Care have produced a, st- a product called Quick Derm that is absolutely fantastic. Eric actually has a guy that's close to him that runs a fairly large boarding kennel uh, that had a dog come in that had hot spots already when he got there. And, you know, you didn't want to be blamed for hot spots. So uh, he actually ordered some of the stuff and cleared it up in, I mean, a couple of days. I actually had some pretty gnarly burns from uh, dealing with the dogs at the HRD seminars uh, from doing some of the muzzle work. And I was able to clear up something on my arm <laughs> in about seven days. And it didn't tear up my tattoo, which is kind of nice. So so if you go over to vetcare.us, it's going to be 10WDR. And you'll get 10% off your first order. And we've heard some rumors that they were upgrading people on sizes when you use the discount code. So head over and put it in your uh, put it in the patrol car and you'll be good to go. All right, we are back. Thanks, guys, for checking it out. I hope you got uh, you guys all jotted down those discount codes on there. We have some great um, sponsors, man. We love them. We can't, we can't do this without it. We, I'm telling you, this isn't free. Uh, so we love those people. They've been on, been on here with us for a long time. Um, so let's talk about tracking. We get a lot of questions about tracking. Tracking is something that seems to really befuddle a lot of folks. Um, you know, a lot of handlers come into their class. The dog's already trained up on tracking. They got to hold a leash and try to figure it out. Tracking is the thing that the handlers will screw up the most, that they'll struggle with the most because they'll try to outthink the dog. Um, but a lot of people want to learn how to track or, or do better things with their dogs when they're tracking. So, excuse me. Sorry, Alicia. I burped. Don't get offended and don't get mad, but I'm drinking <laughs> beer, so I burp. She's going to kill me when she hears that. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, Beulah Ball Bricker over there busted my balls about burping. Um, so anyways... Uh, Tracking, I, I love training tracking. I love it. Um, I sucked as a tracking handler in the beginning part of my career because I did all the things wrong. You know, dogs going left. I'm like, there's no way the guy went left, dumbass. He's got to yeah. go right. And they, they keep going left, and I keep trying to go right. I did all that bullshit. When I, when I um, started becoming a trainer uh, or really paying attention to a lot of it, um, I started getting better. So I was better at it with my next last couple dogs. First two dogs, so-so, last two dogs, way better. Um, but my tracking dogs, my dogs at the police departments that I've trained have had amazing success, great success. Uh, like Ted said in the beginning of this episode, you would be surprised how few bites we actually do on tracks. Maybe two a year on, on training, I'm saying. Yeah, Maybe yeah two in training. Years. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. in training. But on the street, we're, we are nuking fools from tracks. Right. Um, if, if my guys on night shift get, uh, say, 30 bites a year, 20 of them are from tracks. Uh, so we definitely have very, very good success at it, and we, we track to a toy almost every single time. We, we train bite work and biting human beings separately. Yeah. The tracking uh, is a different skill set. We use yep. that. We, if you all, all you guys out there, if you're a trainer or you guys do t- bites at every track on every track, I'm telling you, is the reason why your dog is head up, why he's not tracking. He's looking and searching. What Ted say earlier? Sight, sound, smell. Smell. Yep. In that order. 
So you're just convincing him to keep his head up. So anyways, when I start tracking, I am a food tracker. Um, I find using food, whether it's, uh, I don't like crunchy food. I don't like to wait on the dog to eat it, but I use Bill Jack mostly. Uh, If a dog absolutely will not take Bill Jack and does, isn't really learning the tracking game, I'll I'll use warmed up hot dogs or some other shit. But Bill Jack is just easy, man. And not too many dogs don't like it. And um, so I use food in the beginning for every dog I train. Some don't give a shit about it and will learn the tracking regardless. Uh, some are halfway into it and some are really into it. Um, I just did a class with three dogs and I kind of had um, all three of that type of thing. I had a dog named Aria that would never miss a piece of food. And that dog would just boom, 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 boom. Each, but her tracking was amazing. Then another dog, Diesel, who was about halfway on the food. He would get some of it and some of it didn't. He also was a very good tracking dog. And then Linus, by the time Linus came to me from Carl, Linus didn't give a shit about food at all. I didn't have to use it at all. He was just really into the whole tracking and finding the toy. So it was pretty interesting to see. Um, But I use food. Um, I start them on food, uh, you know, a a little bit at the big start and then every couple paces. And then over time, I try to spread it out. But I came up with this one system and it's pretty good. I kind of found it by accident. Um, I, I, I laid a track. It was it was early on with one of the dogs, and I laid a, a track with food like every few paces. Pretty. It was just a straight straight track along a, a roadway in the grass, but so it had a, a a brush boundary on one side and a, a road boundary on the other side. So there's nowhere else for the dog to really go except for in this little alleyway, this little path. And um, so I put the dog back up. And then I went and I laid a second track at the end of the first track. You know, maybe five or six feet off the end because I wanted to use this long strip of grass that I had. And I started going out and the, the dog started, I was just walking. He started sniffing and tracking the first track and found a couple pieces of food that he had missed. I was like, huh. And I didn't tell him to do that. He just did it. And I was like, hmm, let, let me see how this goes. And we get over to the start of the second track. Boom, he gets a jackpot. And then he's on it. Like track, 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 all the way to the end, gets his toy. So I'm like, well, fuck, let me, let me keep trying this. So the system is this. I lay the first track. And it's not super long, but, you know, it's a, it's a straight track. And I use food. The dog gets the food, gets the reward at the end, which for me is a toy. I play with him. I walk down the middle of the road. I put the dog up. I go back to the end of the first track. I step forward five or six feet, four or five feet, scuff it up, put some food in it, and lay a second track with food the same way, maybe a few paces or, or more, depending on where I'm at in the whole process. I go back, I get the dog. I get him out. I hook him. So I'm, I'm an under-the-leg tracker. I don't like harness tracking. Harness tracking, to me, um, most dogs that I have found anymore are harness tracking because we wear a lot of harnesses on patrol and we do, you know, back ties and bite harnesses and things like that. Aggression, you know, um, I find them to pull more, and not tracking, more head up. Um, I know there are 
a lot of guys out here still harness track. They only wear the harness for tracking. It's got contacts to the dog. I get that, but we don't do that. I, I'm an under the leg tracker. Yeah. Um, I, my thing, my big thing about harness tracking that I don't like is it takes forever to get the harness on, hook them up and go. In the meantime, if it's a pretty serious call, you're wasting time. Absolutely costing precious minutes putting on your stupid harness to go track. So I, uh, I under the leg track. The only time I harness track is if the dog is just so bothered by that leash being under his leg. And everyone's probably one out of 10 dogs I find that way. But anyways, as soon as the dog is, so I parked the car. So it's about four or five feet from the start of the first track. As soon as, as they're coming out, I hook that leg and the dog immediately comes out and starts sniffing right away. And I don't tell him anything. He just, we just go for a walk. We're going to walk to the start of the second track, but I'm going to walk him down through the first one. What he does is he starts tracking on his own self-discovery and he starts finding a couple pieces of food that he missed. So now we have spread out the food even earlier than I had originally planned. So we spread out the food and the dog is getting like almost like a variable reward and he's self-discovering it. When we get to the start of track number two, Suk or track or whatever it is, the command, boom, he gets it. Now he got a, he actually got a, a bunch of food and then, oh shit, there's another one and another one. And he tracks track number two, right? So he gets a toy at the end. We walk back, I put the dog up. I go back out to the end of track number two and I lay track number three the same way, right? All in a line. So now I get the, I go back, I get the dog, hook his leg as he's coming out. Boom, right away, he is looking for the track immediately. Now, track number one should be clean from food. Right. So track number one, we're tracking a new dog that I've only been tracking with for a little bit of time with no food at all. He gets to track number two. He may maybe he finds a couple pieces that he missed. So now we're kind of in another variable reward system. We get to the start of track number three. Boom. There's a jackpot and track. I give the command and off we go. And he's getting every four or five paces or whatever it is. And he gets a thing at the end. Um, and then. We walk back out. So he got like six tracks in the length of three with all kinds of things. And I'm already early on weaning him off of the food, if you if that makes sense. Because it could take weeks if you're really a real food trainer where you're every yeah. step and every two, three, four, yeah, five, 20 fuck. steps. Yes. It, it, it can be a pain in the ass. But this here, this system I started doing, I'm like... And what, what it's doing is it's slowing dogs down. I hear this all the time. I can barely hold on to him. I got to slow him down. I, I think I'm going to track him on a prong collar. Don't fucking use a prong collar on your dog when you're tracking. Stop it. <laughs> Don't use a prong collar when you're tracking. Figure out something else. Put out articles every 50, 10 feet so the dog has to go lay down, get a reward, move on, lay down, move, lay down. That'll slow them down. But this really starts slowing the dog down. And as soon as they come out of the car, they're hunting for it. Then what I'll do is I'll start moving the car away so when the dog comes out, he's got to f hunt further for the start. Because, you know, when you show up on the scene, the guys aren't really sure most of the time where the track actually starts. So we want to teach them to hunt for it. But if you hook that leg as soon as they're coming out of the car, dude, they're, they're starting now, right away. Hunt, hunt, hunt. Oh, shit, there we go. And off we go. 
I've did it for all three dogs in the last class. They're all three amazing tracking dogs, and they're very methodical. Not too slow, but nobody has to struggle to keep up with their dog because the dog is hunting from the beginning the whole time. And uh, so that's my tracking story from that point. Man, tracking You never for talk me, about tracking. Well, and here's why. So <laughs> I, I'm really, really good at detection. And I'm really good at apprehension work, right? So, and I, my weak point is tracking. So, thankfully, Scott, my partner and one of my mentors at Torchlight, um, is a fucking ninja at tracking. That motherfucker knows more ways to get a dog to track than I've even heard of. Like, he, he, had, he did something the other day before I went to North Carolina. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And we had a dog that is just doesn't want to do it one way that we normally do it. And I'd never seen this method before. And I'm like, what in the hell are you doing? And he explained it to me. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. So Scott is like the fucking Tao of tracking ninja. Like, that's his thing. Now, granted, he has an SF background. And, you know, that's that was kind of like back in the day because he's old as shit back in the day. Like, that was kind of the stuff that they did in Central America. And so there's a lot of context built around what he does. Um, so personally... Um, I, I have tried every fucking method and here is like my take on tracking. Tracking is the hardest thing that a law enforcement canine handler does. And it is the one exercise that absolutely that in detection training require you to absolutely read the dog. Now during detection training, I'm constantly yelling at my guys or in handler schools. Like, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? Tell me what change in behaviors you saw outline these changes. Tell me what you saw. And I do the same thing during tracking. Like, what are you seeing? Right? Like watch, pay attention to the dog. You're not on a fucking walk. Right. Which is where a lot of the problems come from. Dog dudes just like, are like, Oh, the dog's an autopilot. I'm just going to fucking follow his butthole around and they'll fucking drag you to the next County. If you let them. So, um, you know, identifying when the dog is not no longer an odor or they're checking a negative and then continuing to come back to a track or an area that was highly productive just a minute ago is a core skill that the handler needs to be able to identify. So how do we teach that? Well, so, and it depends on the dog. It really does. Like if I have time, so um, we just sold a dog that uh, I got from Charlie Nash. I got her as a puppy, Fruit Bat. I'm sure people that follow me on social media have seen her as a little black Malinois. Uh, she's a narcotics, uh, single purpose dog. Uh, and I taught her to track just to fucking do it, right? <clears throat> so I taught her um, and as a young dog, as a puppy with the hydration thing. So I use the water that is still water with human odor in the water with food on the thing or on concrete. You know, like if you're a Patreon member of Bradshaw, he posted a video of that uh, and an explanation. And it, it works very well for keeping their nose down and keeping them in, like imprinting them in odor. Similar concept to imprinting in um, narcotics or explosive detection. You have a source of odor, which is this water that has human stank in it. And then you have the reward built into it, which is like... Um, some kind of fucking cat food or something, whatever Bradshaw was using. I use Bill Jack and I don't use a ton of it. Um, I've also done the thing where I teach the dog to hunt for tiny articles and I mark that individual behavior. So the dog is literally just in this like constant mode of looking for these tiny articles. And it's easy to incorporate an article recovery at that point. And teaching articles is also human odor, which is another conversation altogether. Then I've done the runoff with dogs that just absolutely will not 
look for food. They just don't give a shit. I can starve them for three days and they still won't eat. And they still, I can put a, I can put raw meat out there and they're like, meh. But they will chase somebody that has run off and they will start looking. Um, and then I've, I've used the method like you're talking about where it's footstep tracking and you're teaching them to look for crushed vegetation and everything else. So it, it absolutely does depend on, the, depend on the dog. Same thing with detection. Like when we first started the Patreon page, I talked about certain dogs do really well on Dutch boxes and certain dogs do really well on ball poppers. The one thing I will never do with detection work is a fucking towel throw. And if you still do that... I don't want to hear about yeah, it. Yeah, that's but, how I started, right? Yeah, no, yeah. we don't do that fucking shit anymore. So, <laughs> like, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I don't, I've never done that, but I either, I use one of those two methods for imprinting. So, I kind of figure out, like, what primarily is motivating the dog, if it's a green dog. Um, and we typically default to food or runoff if they are excessively prey-driven and hard to manage and just one of those fucking outside-their-mind Malinois all the time. I will default to a... Uh, I, I will try a toy, or I'm sorry, I will try food to slow them down first. If not, then I'll default to toy because they're constantly looking. One of the most successful dogs we have locally was started as a... Um, search and rescue dog he kept biting people so he went to patrol and has since ruined several people's days but as far as tracking goes he's more of a trailing dog he puts his head down and looks puts his head down and looks and he was taught um in a different method he was taught in a very um he was a similar he was taught to find human odor in a method that you talked about earlier with the boxes um very successful dog and i've got another one on this in the county uh same county that is a very successful tracking tracking dog um and will give a defined um proximity alert once he gets close to odor and all that other stuff because he went through the entire protocol so if i have puppies i will start with the hydration method or i will start with the individual like little go find the quarter and go find the little article and then they're hunting little articles and they're transferring down the line and then i'm walking and dropping articles and then i'm fading articles out so it's kind of a similar thing to uh food but you're not using food you're just using actual human odor um one thing about, and this is an old school fucking gangster ass Green Beret thing that Scott does um, with tracking with hard surface. Um, lots of people have problems with hard surface. Um, a lot of dogs do what I call island hopping. So they will look for depressions in concrete or things in concrete, manhole covers, whatever, where scent pools, right? And they'll kind of like connect the dots. And then once they get to the opposite side of a hard surface, uh, like a street or a parking lot or like a fairly narrow parking lot, then they'll kind of start fanning out and trying to reacquire rather than actually tracking. And a lot of this is condition dependent if it's hot, is no wind, blah, 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 right? So how do we teach them to do it? One thing that Scott does, and if you're in your training group and you want to start incorporating hard surface, when <laughs> forever ago when I started working with Scott, he always had fucking rice, like dry rice in his um, van, like all the time. And I was like, what the fuck? Mm. Like, I was like, I know you're not eating this. Like, what are you doing with this? He carries it around in his pocket all the time and he's constantly got it in his hand and rubbing it. And, you know, when people drop their phones in water and whatever else, we use it to absorb water, odor. So Scott will drop rice across hard surfaces and it's almost like the hydration tracking for patrol dogs, and you can fade that out. 
And I have watched it and been fucking amazed with a dog that gets to hard surface, like a giant asphalt pad. And he picks his head up and looks at the handler like, oh, there's nothing here. And then you run the same track two days later and you do a little bit of like, you know, breadcrumbs and rice across the thing. And all of a sudden the dog is a ninja tracking and he literally just needs to be taught that asphalt is also a highly productive area for odor. Um, kind of the and same the rice thing. is dry? Dry when it starts. You stick it in your fucking pocket. He carries around in his fucking mm-hmm. pocket. I, he oh, has I see. Kind. It's collecting right. your odor in it. Exactly. And it, ah, it okay. keeps Never odor. heard of that. Right. So, and you can fade that out. So you go from, you're not quite making a fucking trail with it like fucking Hounds and Gretel, but you're like dropping it across these areas. And then we use it sparingly across until the dogs like figure it out. And when we're laying these tracks too like i do stuff like i'll walk barefoot across asphalt in the summertime when it's 180 degrees outside uh or in in my socks so that there's uh, quite a bit of odor i'll spit and step in it with shoes on so that i track some like human odor across the pavement or whatever it is or the rice thing is another one but that seemed i've seen it done when he did it first i was like what the fuck is he what is he doing and i watched it happen in a handler school and i was amazed i was like holy shit so if you have a problem with tracking on hard surface transfers when you have a mature patrol dog now you're not in the imprinting phase and you run a track similar to the Eric, what Eric was telling you like you go run the same track again just a minute ago and you start incorporating it with this that can fix some of the transfer problems with um, hard surface tracking so when we go to finishing just like you said um, I teach biting and area searching separately from tracking so i teach the handlers the tracking phase is when we get out of the car and the dog starts to acquire odor and that's the thing like i don't uh we will do um the article identification like you know we'll have the front seat open in the car or whatever else and they smell a hat or they do some of that other stuff and i've done it before where they just kind of pick up the freshest scent possible a lot of that has to do with how fresh it is and how much you trust your um primaries on scene um, if they haven't contaminated everything and a lot of that too is intuition I mean when somebody gets out and bails like where are they going to fucking go it's the path of least resistance to trying to create distance so you kind of have to help a little bit at the beginning to kind of like get the dog going in the direction that makes the most sense and a lot of that is just experience I mean you have to do it a lot to um, to be successful at it Uh, The other portion of that is when you get to a point where you're getting towards the end of a track and the dog starts giving you signals. Like you got a dog continues to track with his head down, head down, head down. Right. And all of a sudden he freezes and stands up, starts looking around. You should probably start figuring out that you're getting a good alert and that you need to start making some announcements that you need to start having the head on a swivel, looking around more than normal. Um, If you've got a dog that is always constantly checking, constantly checking, uh, the dog I was just talking about, the super successful bounces. So he'll kind of stand up on his hind legs and start looking around. So he defaults. So if we're looking at eyes, ears, and nose in terms of difficulty, he pulls off of his nose because it's so strong and starts using the other two. So he starts looking for people and he is extremely successful in tracking. He nukes fools on tracks and um, has led the handler, both his handlers on tracks that were contrary to information from the primary. Suspect went this way, dog goes the opposite direction, dog was right. And um, so 
once that is, once that happens, then when we go back to what I was talking about a minute ago about the building searches, we start the whole show me your hands, such, such police department. We start giving the challenge commands. And at that point, the dog knows he's right. Now, there's a whole process that I use during this phase in the warm portion of the tracking where and in the building searches where we start giving these alerts or where well, the dog like basically the dog gives us a head up alert and we start saying, show me your hands, show me your hands, show me your hands. And then the decoy will then help us solidify that the dog is correct and that there is confirmation and then the dog starts using the other two senses so you have to build the final alert at that point an area search and an apprehension are two different skill sets so you know i mean we like you you talk about it god every chance you get uh about tracking to a place where somebody gets into a car and drives off happens all the time happened to one of my guys a couple weeks ago and we practice that as well so that the handler knows what it looks like when the dog's like well Ain't nothing here, homie. Let's go home. So, you know, I mean, super, super important for sure. So, um, one, one thing that's really super important, guys, is if you're struggling with tracking, you this is where you really have to um, become a master at wind, knowing what the wind is doing. So if you don't really pay attention to the wind, you got to you, – you need to. You got to um, – you got to pay attention to that because the wind is is super important to know what it's going to do to the odors. Uh, make sure you're you're becoming a connoisseur, so to speak, of wind. So the last thing we want to talk about in our training episode here is um, changes in our in our um, training systems that we use. So right. Ted, pick one thing, one discipline in the canine thing, and talk about how different you are from when you started. Obedience. <laughs> yep. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, when I first started, man, I was like prong collars, pinch collars, shitloads of force, yanking dogs around, you know, escape training only, um, without a doubt. It was effective, but it wasn't reliable. Um, it got dogs to certifications, um, but was not um, clean, was not pretty. Um, I got bit a bunch with some pretty nasty dogs, and um, I, I have since figured out a different way. <laughs> so, you know, I, I used to, and this is, so that was back in the day, right? Like I separated obedience, detection, tracking, and apprehension work like as four separate phases of utility. Now we try and incorporate obedience into everything. You know, I have a start procedure now that I teach all my handlers. The dog downs, he waits for the command, I wait for eye contact. The dog gives me eye contact. Like we have a whole ritual, and I say ritual, and I'm using that word specifically. Um, we have a whole ritual that I teach the dogs when we start. And so there's a, a level of obedience built into tracking, there's a level of obedience built into building searches um there's a level of obedience built into detection work there's a level of obedience built into some of the apprehension work so you know it was all done in an effort to build control and um very rarely do i do like dedicated uh, i will at the beginning i take that back i i will at the beginning especially with very young dogs i will do like dedicated obedience sessions but for the most part i do it and jamie and scott and i do it all during um like either detection tracking or or, or um apprehension work 
Um, and it's all for the most part motivation based, um, unless I'm proofing. Um, and when I'm introducing an e-collar, um, the introduction of the e-collar is usually done during, uh, obedience, uh, stuff. And I, I will do basic obedience sessions just to introduce the e-collar. So I'm not associating it with detection or with tracking or anything else. So I do it. I introduce an e-collar with obedience once a dog is proofed. So, but yeah, I went from yanking dogs around and getting torn up to getting bit only once a year. So pretty good average. <laughs> yeah. Not bad. Yeah. My big, my big uh, change is also in obedience. Um, it is, uh, and, and probably some detection too, but I'll just stick with the obedience part. So when I got in, um, everything was uh, just um, choke chain. You only use prong collars on the dogs that were the most incorrigible dogs on, on obedience. And we never used e-collar for obedience. We only used e-collar for out and recall. And um, it was all yanking crank. They called it uh, signal pressure praise. Signal would be um, heel, and pressure would be a pop of the collar. Good boy, right. and off you go. And we would spend as a group. Everything was group group obedience. We would spend an hour in the morning, at least an hour every day, doing obedience in a group setting. The dogs were stressed, yawning. Um, some were improving, some weren't. They always had a lot of problems. And then at the end, and there was no reward in, in any of the reps except for a good boy. Um, and then we would split off into different corners of the field and play with the dog with a, with a ball. Now we know going forward that the dog has no fucking idea why you're playing with them in the corner with a ball, except for maybe that they walked with you to the corner and they think that's why you're playing with the ball. If I thought about it now, when the dog ran off and we went off leash, he probably ran to the corner, uh, you know, maybe trying to get, get paid. But um, there was an assistant trainer in my class that was a, a, a Schutzen guy. He, he understood the value of, of doing rewards during it, but he didn't speak up very much. Um, so I took over and I was doing the same thing. And I'm like, man, I can't fucking spend an hour every day doing this. We have too many other things to do. Everything's a dual purpose dog. I can't spend hours doing obedience and I'm going nowhere. So in, in the beginning in a 14 week class, we were still in week 10, 11, 12, uh, block, closing the gates and blocking them off with a cruiser. So we were going to go off leash in case our dog ran off. Um, so then I changed up my system to do lots more reward. Like we're gonna we're gonna work on you sitting the dog sitting next to you when you stop. So we'd walk six or eight feet, stop, sit, reward, stop, sit, reward, stop, sit, reward, over and over and over again. Ball, 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 ball. We do twenty reps in three minutes, right? And um, then we would go do something else. And I I cut my my detection or excuse me my obedience down to about twenty minutes a day, and just straight obedience on the field. Um, then I was like, you know what? Everybody, we want to get that state certification. So we're going to, uh, I'm going to make, I'm going to do some cheating here. I'm going to create cheats in the dog for the handler mostly so that the handler, because he's nervous on certification day, doesn't have to worry about it. So I started teaching a focused heel. And that's, you know, putting a ball in your hand up on your shoulder, up on your left shoulder and the dog looking at you. And I was like, man, I'm pretty good because I'm getting these dogs off leash in a couple few weeks, right? Doing really good with this um, focused obedience stuff. 
And at certification, they couldn't use the ball, but the guys could throw a fist up there. And it was idiot proof, right? The guys could go right through it. Um, But now what I do is I still get the dogs completely off leash within a week or two in obedience. And it's still tons of motivation based, tons of reps with reward. Um, But I've actually started in this last class, I started using food for during the reps so that we didn't have to... um, take time to get the ball from the dog, pick it up, right. deal with all that stuff, the ball, the dog breaking to get the ball, working on his impulse control and all, I could do all that separately. So on the thing while we're working the obedience, I just gave the, the handlers the pouch with the food in it, the uh, the Ray Allen incognito pouch that goes in their pocket, right. uh, rayallen.com, check it out. It's one of the best things they have. Um, <laughs> and I said, hey, try this for me. Just try it because this is how I taught your dog. Try it. We still take a ball or a Kong or whatever for the last rep, last couple reps. And if we're going to work on some outing, I always start with the ball. So that, that's completely different. But working the field obedience stuff. So they, all three of them did it and they loved it, right? They loved it. So the next time out, I said, okay, we're going to go do, do obedience. You have a choice. Food or toy? And they're all like, give me the food. Fuck, that was easy. Because it's <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Rep after rep after rep after rep. But the big thing I did with the healing was um, I stopped doing the focus to heal. What I did was I just framed where the dog is supposed to be next to my leg and dealt and corrected him first with a leash and a prong and then with an e-collar, tap on e-collar for even turning his head an inch away from the handler. He either has to look straight ahead or at the handler. No distractions are accepted. And... Oh, it was the it's the easiest thing, the easiest way to do it. So that when we're now going to and from anything, the, the handlers can tell them heal, foos fall again, whatever it is, and the dogs just boop look straight ahead, doesn't look left, doesn't look right, doesn't get distracted by other dogs. Uh, if they're dog aggressive, we teach them to ignore the other dogs. They don't have to deal with it. Don't have to look at it. Look straight ahead or look at the handler, and um, it works out beautifully. Like it was so easy. So. Um, there's no more closing the fence and blocking it with the car and keeping a ball in your pocket to lure him back from you when he takes off running. Dude, 10 weeks into training, an hour every day, and we still were unhooking and dogs were running off. So uh, I was like, yeah, there's got to be a better way. And again, I didn't invent any of that. I, I just evolved from learning that from other people. But I still go to training groups for HRD and different things and guys are showing up with just a choke chain on their dog and ripping this dog's head off on everything they're doing and it's not working. The dog still pulls them and chokes himself on the choke chain. Um, I No, nope. There's an easier way and you have to evolve. And if that's your training system and you're selling your training system and it's from 1992, it's it's outdated. Come on, keep up. Yeah, we had so. somebody tell us at one of those that um, the trainer told them they couldn't wear a flat collar because somebody could potentially grab them while they're biting them and choke them. And I'm like... <laughs> Uh, ah, hey, so. I, <laughs> that that happened. So, I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, well, so, I know. So we're gonna um, we're gonna be doing these episodes every not once a month, but maybe once a, once a month, every once in a while. Yeah, once a quarter, every couple months, we're gonna do some of these training videos um, or training episodes, answering questions that people send us and things like that. So. Um, 
check uh, check in on that. I hope you guys listen to it. Ted, what? Uh, where can you be found? Uh, I am on the Instagrams at Ted underscore Summers. Uh, the podcast has its own at Working underscore Dog underscore Radio, and uh, of course, Torchlight K nine letter K number nine is the uh, kennel where it's kind of the business side of it. So both my personal and the um, kennel have dog stuff on it. So um, yeah, and then the the Working Dog Radio one has all the contests and giveaways and that kind of stuff and episode announcements. What about you? You real quick, you want to plug the handlers or the decoy school you got coming up? Oh yeah, so um, TPD Tulsa Police Department is hosting um, a decoy school uh, for us for uh, October seventh through the 9th of twenty nineteen um, this year. Uh, Cleet accredited, so you get hours for it. Um, if you're from Oklahoma, if not, you can transfer them. A lot of them, I can give you the course description um, and everything else. It'll include case law updates, administration notes. Um, if you're an admin, the first day would be really good uh, for you to come to because it. I talk a lot about why we have targeting systems, what a grip, what a proper grip is. We talk about uh, a lot of the relevant case law updates on some of the new stuff that's happened. Um, there was a case that came out in the Fifth Circuit recently um, in 2018 that was really relevant to this. And um, so we go over records and that kind of stuff. And then like proper equipment and yada, yada, yada. Then we do the hands-off stuff for the next, uh, the hands-on stuff for the next two and a half days. Um, and this is not a stand out in the fucking grass and catch dogs for three days or however long. This is a precursor to teaching problem solving and scenario based training how you fix passive bites how you set things up how you fix targeting issues how you teach targeting how what a proper grip is how you teach all of these things and um you know i do it a little different than i think um a lot of the guys that are out there doing it now are um i offer some different information um you know this is not a class to learn how to catch left um bicep dogs all day long or to catch you know ring dogs or whatever it is there is some very specific reasons why we do what we do um that are backed up by case law and good policy um from some really good departments and forward thinking departments and all of that is included it's uh october 7th through the 9th in tulsa uh i think it's 250 or 300 bucks you can shoot me an email at info at torchlight k9 letter k number nine.com um and i can add you to the list if you want to come but it should be a good time the guys at tpd are gangster as shit they have a very very professional canine unit um lots of dogs ran really really well um they are a probably one of the best canine units in the country hands down um easily top 20 without a doubt so um they do a very very good job so um anybody would be lucky to train with them so yeah other than that uh, we have a shitload of hrds coming up so <laughs> oh yeah we're gonna be all over the country yeah. hrd um check us out uh, just start typing in hrd on um instagram it'll come up high risk deployment uh, canine training police canine training um yep. I'm on Van S K nine V A N E S S letter K number nine on Instagram Van S K nine uh, Academy on Facebook. Um, I am going to be hosting a SWAT K nine integration class in Alliance, Ohio, um, October 14th through the 16th. Bringing in outside instructors, it's going to be great. It's for K nine guys, SWAT guys, and SWAT admins. Um, there's a different price. It's 
it's uh, $600 total for a canine guy, 300 for a regular SWAT guy and an admin guy. Um, we'll have specific classes for the admin guy aside from when everybody's out there. Here's the thing. Alliance Police Department is a uh, is the department where I have a commission now. They have probably one of the best uh, law enforcement training facilities for, for shooting in the United States. Tons of military units come up and use them. Every big-name shooting instructor in the country trains there, has classes. Um, AlliancePoliceTraining.com. Check it out, AlliancePoliceTraining.com. It's got a live-fire shoot house, short-range, long-range vehicles, all kinds of things. Um, we have houses we're going to be using, all kinds of stuff. So that's October 4th. 14th to the 16th, Alliance Ohio, AlliancePoliceTraining.com. They're on Instagram, Facebook, and a website. Go check it out. Their place is amazing. Um, I'm looking forward to it. A lot of you have never shot at a live fire shoot house. Uh, doing it with a dog in the room is going to be interesting for you. Um, it's, it's, it's fun. It's a good time. So Awesome. Anyways, I loved it. I enjoyed this. It was good yeah. times. So uh, next episode is going to be a guy from LAPD uh, who was a canine handler. It was only for like four years. Um, and I say that kind of jokingly because the guy is really known uh, for something that every canine handler should know how to do. And that is run containment and run perimeter. And uh, guys, a book. It's going to be a fucking awesome interview. But uh, that'll be up on the 13th. And after that, uh, you'll have all the live shit coming up from hits. So uh, everybody stay tuned. Eric, we will see you shortly. All right. See you guys. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to take a second to talk about equipment selection for patrol work. One of the most important aspects of teaching and maintaining patrol functions is your equipment. Proper equipment selection and fit makes all the difference in the world when it comes to creating and maintaining patrol and sport dogs. This episode is possible in part with support from Arno at ALM Suits. Because of the importance of this equipment, I use ALM Suits exclusively. I've owned one for about five years and use it almost daily at the kennel and have caught thousands of dogs and tens of thousands of bites. Arno was able to make a great fitting suit for my lanky ass and I couldn't be happier with it. Arno can take your measurements and make you a suit each and everything he does in his shop in Vegas. Between the top-notch materials and the handmade aspect, you're getting some of the best bite equipment in the world from ALM. The suits come in a full range of weights, from training weight to comp weight, which is what I use because I'm not a pussy and you shouldn't be either. He offers some Kevlar inserts to make the thinner suits a little safer and more comfortable, plus they keep your tattoo artist happy. He makes a full range of toys and reward tugs also. Be sure to hit him up at almk9equipment.com that's the letter K, the number 9, or arno, A-R-N-O at almsuits.com Be sure to use the discount code WDRADIO for 10% off your first order. Tell him you heard it here. Now go get bit. Eric here. Like many trainers, Ted and I go through toys with the hard super chewer dogs we typically have in our kennel. So we need toys designed to withstand the grueling reality of high drive working dogs. That's where USA Canine Dog Toys excel. Their toys are made from an extremely durable rubber compound. They have reward toys as well as food dispenser toys, all made to last and are very affordable. All the toys are military themed. Go to the website, www.usa-canine.com Check out the grenade-shaped toys. They got the cherry bomb. They got a lot of other great things over there, military-themed toys. Here's the best part. A portion of all USA Canine proceeds go to support military working dogs and other veterans organizations. And that's freaking badass. www.usa-canine.com. Use the promo code k 9 Pro, or check them out on Instagram at USA Canine Dog Toys. Everybody loves stuff that goes boom. 
And we couldn't talk about stuff that goes boom without talking about Tripwire Operations Group. They're some of the best in the industry at stuff that makes loud noises and blows stuff up, specifically for guys on this podcast. If you're handling an explosive dog or you're a trainer of an explosive dog, they have one of the most well-rounded, ready-to-go kits in the correct amounts and odors for any national standard or state standard certification. Head over to tripwireops.org to check it out. They're headquartered in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and a group of first responders dedicated to serving first responders. They believe that the most highly trained and prepared first responders create a safer America. They prepare you guys and other first responders and military to protect our country by providing products, services, training, and relationships which together no one else provides. In fact, they've done several HME large hide courses recently, which is a really valuable thing for explosives handlers because you're not really able to get that much odor in one place at one time safely. And these guys do a fantastic job. Be sure to head over to tripwireops.org and check out the full list of classes they've got going on and have contact info there on the website. Again, tripwireops.org. You got your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Duck Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.